Too broad my sight to see what sunlight dappled subtlety with which the landscape's made. What quiet songs score the glade I traverse with headphones. My appreciation set for red zones. Every blessing's insignificant. And the present, smallest of all, seen from too tall, entirely unmagnificent. Hey everyone, welcome back to Soul Scene. On this week's episode, we're talking about little, nice <laughs> things. My favorite topic. Yeah, and mine too, that's why I like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're kind of filling the episode with things that, things about the solar scene, mm-hmm. uh, the, the ideal, beautiful, sustainable, tactile future, yeah. um, patent pending, that probably none of which individually deserve a full episode or could fill a full episode, but together we'll hopefully make, what, 40 minutes of little nice things to make people smile. It's like a gallery. Yeah, okay. Have you ever been to a mini gallery? No. There's been a few that I've seen and visited, and it's a gallery of art and sculptures and little nice things, yeah. and everything has to be mini. Was it? Oh, okay. I thought you just meant the size of the of the gallery. No, the things are mini okay. in the gallery. So that's what this is in audio form, and your poem obviously alluded to big and small nice things. Yeah, I mean, it's autumn now. We're in like the heart, the peak of autumn, mm-hmm. and we use the analogy of the banana because we mm-hmm. always say... It, bananas are the most frustrating of fruits or as mm. some people might call them berries because when you have them in your home they are green one second brown the next and you get like a such a small window to enjoy the actual yellow perfectly ripe mm-hmm. and it's like that with autumn i mean right now is is the yellow banana mm-hmm. but next week when we record this all these leaves will be gone and the, it's gonna the be colors, the brown banana yeah the brown banana exactly yeah. <laughs> and so i was just pondering that and present yeah a very small thing obviously mm-hmm. it's not the most relevant for the solar scene which is all about living in the future and ignoring the present but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good inspiration for a poem speaking of good inspirations if people want to inspire themselves by reading our zines they can go on the website which is linked in the description to the episode and on the website you can also find our emails to contact us with any hate mail oh, or me. you can sign up for Field Notes, which is a weekly inbox uh, thing every Friday. You can, you take over. (laughs) Okay. So on the website, we have links to the zines that we sell, one for the education semester and one for the degrowth semester. And then you can also sign up for our storytelling series version of the zine, which is a weekly delivery to your inbox, which is a letter from Aaron and I about life moments that we enjoy pictures that we enjoy and it kind of changes up every week but you can subscribe to what we call field notes there and that'll continue on through the future semesters because we really like writing them book club also is a thing if you'd like to join the book club you can send us an email our emails are in the description or a message on instagram or a pigeon and we will (laughs) add you to the book club group chat we are reading the overstory it's a wonderful book and it's a wonderful time to meet new people and read new books so that was boring introduction you can start off so i don't think i've ever been so excited to record an episode so bear with me if i get passionate passionate so my first little nice thing is dried slash edible flowers (laughs) is there anything nicer i mean flowers are my favorite thing in the whole entire world they're beautiful. There's so much variety. A lot of other species in nature 
or families of species. It's like tree tree is a tree. You have your coniferous trees or you have your leafy trees. And you know, they're nice. But then flowers that there's flowers on trees, there's flowers on shrubs, there's standalone flowers with stems. There's ones with a bunch of petals, one with just like three petals. Flowers are incredible. And the reason I chose dried slash edible flowers is because in the current world, there's plenty of flowers. There's enough, there could be more, but there's not enough dried flowers. And the thing with dried flowers is that they're ancient. They've always been a practice of drying flowers and using them for ceremonies. They were used in ancient Olympics as a prize. You'd have those, those crowns of leaves and flowers. For the champions, people would dry them, put them in their homes, dry them, put them in graves. And I just think it's a really intentional thing Hmm. that we lack. So a lot of the things that we do today, it's like, okay, I'm going to plant a flower bed. It dies, it dies. But to have the foresight to harvest the flowers at a certain point, not too early because then you don't get to enjoy them alive, to then bring them into your home, perhaps leave them in a vase for a few days, still alive, and then think, hmm. Winter is coming. There's going to be no flowers. Perhaps I should preserve these to keep some color in my life in the winter. Did you know that I tried to dry a flower once? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't tell you because it seemed like such a simple thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my idea. It was my mom's idea. After prom, high school, graduation, something like that, there was some significant flower, or at the time it seemed significant. And she said, why don't you press it? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. But it it didn't, it just kind of rotted. Yeah. It's so, a practice. Like oh, okay. you need to know how to do it. I thought you just squeezed. No. Oh, see, I tried to press it in my hand. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of techniques to drying flowers. You can microwave them. You can obviously press them what? in books. Yeah. But it depends on the type of flower. You need to have the right, you can't just throw it in a book because then it will ruin the pages. Sometimes you have to put parchment or tissues. There's a lot of things. And it's, in Japan, it was a legit art form and still is to make pictures out of pressed flowers. And I could never. But I just think in the solo scene, there'll be more dried flowers. And the reason I added edible flowers is because they're just so easy to like add to things. I don't think them... I've ever eaten a flower. Really? Although maybe asparagus. Isn't that technically a flower? Perhaps. Asparagus. Is it called crowns? Yeah. Maybe it I might just be. made that up. I don't know. I mean, you probably had lavender and things. But I've never eaten a flower, mm. which is what I want to do. Yeah. Well, you can in the solo scene. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be more dried and edible flowers. And I just love them. Also, I also added under this one, flowers in your hair. Mm. We don't wear flowers in our hair at all. That's true. But in the solo scene, I think there'll be a few more little flowers tucked behind the ears or flower crowns. I like making those. tells me you might have been inspired a little bit by the film we watched last night. I chose this before we watched the film, actually. Sure. It was a Scooby-Doo film where Shaggy met a girl who later turned out to be an alien. Spoilers. Mm. Who... Wolf flowers in her hair. Anyway, yeah. my first choice for a little nice thing, kind of a big nice thing. I guess I kind of cheat on some of these. But I mean, most of the small nice things that we like in life, or many of them anyway, are symptomatic of a big nice thing being like a mm-hmm. big nice structure. Yeah. So that's why I don't think this is entirely separate from what we've been talking about on Solocene for the most part anyway. Um, first one is library reading challenges, Ooh. the likes of which I used to do a lot every summer when I was a kid. 
and I'm sure they still do for kids these days. Unfortunately, I spent many years in the wilderness without a town library, which was itself a frustration. But now that we're back in a city and there's libraries all over the place, I wish that they handed out one of those little maps, those little paper brochure, which is what mm -hmm. I used to get laminated though, I think, where it listed them all like in Mario with the overworld, different levels, um, the books that you were supposed to read and, the, and even the order that I think you were supposed to read them in. Mm -hmm. And I think this for adults would just be excellent. What do you think to that? I could not agree more. I mean, <laughs> I asked in the book club, the one attendee who attended last <laughs> week, <laughs> I said, why did you join? And they said, because I wanted a reason to read, kind of yes, an excuse or exactly. like someone to hold me accountable. And I said, well, that's why I started the book club. So it's like book clubs are kind of that for adults, but I like the idea of it being facilitated through a library. Here's the thing. Here's what I was thinking with this. So this is obviously an idea for ways that adults can meet each other uh, through shared interests, but also you don't have to be that interested in something to read about it. Mm -hmm. My, my um, thing with book clubs, I find, or just most communities in general, and I'm not sure if this is because of the internet kind of leading the way and then real life following in its wake, I feel like many communities for adults are so niche. Mm. So if you join a book club, everyone there is going to be a big reader. But mm. you might just be a small reader. Or if you join like a video game club or team, everyone there is obviously going to be huge into that. Or the same with board games or sports or whatever it may be. And I feel that's a big difference from when you were a kid. It was an after-school club. And the only thing uniting you all was that you were there after school. So mm -hmm. you were a student. Like that was... The common denominator was a lot smaller, basically. And um, yeah, I think we experienced this a lot in university as well, because it was almost a myth of a university having hundreds of societies, because when you went down that were easily accessible, because when you went down the list, probably like half of them you just genuinely weren't eligible for. Like the psychology club. Yeah, psychology students club or yeah. like Jewish student union or whatever. And then you go into like the interest ones. And everyone in those societies is very, very deep into their interest. Mm -hmm. So normal people, <laughs> I don't want to say normal <laughs> people, but um, how can I say it? In like You're a, jack of all trades. Yeah, well, I'll just say casual, the casuals. Hmm. A library, um, what I like about the reason I said this instead of a book club is that it's for more casual readers, the library reading challenge. I was also thinking a little bit about Whisper of the Heart which is a Ghibli movie and there's a coincidence where the two characters meet each other meet cute by um observing oh he's taking out a lot of the same books as me because she saw his name in the little paper library card unfortunately we don't have those anymore which means I'll never meet somebody that way but this is kind of like that because you're all reading the same thing but since it's not a book club you're not actually required to be very booky mm. to people about it, if that makes any sense. You can just read the book and say, I didn't get that, and kind of move on to the next one. Whereas with a book club, I feel like you read a chapter and maybe you don't get it, but then you feel like you need to get it in order to discuss it. So that might be a bit more pressure than if it was just reading for the sake of reading. Yeah. On that note, this is like a little bit separate and it's more of a little bad thing, but also I thought um, <laughs> it, was, it was this idea I read on the internet this week, which I'd never thought of before. And it was that one of the reasons real life socialization is kind of crumbling a little bit is because we're not interested in each other the way we used to be like mm -hmm. 30 years ago or something pre-internet. And one of the reasons for that is that we have so many opportunities now, one-way conversations, parasocial, like the people listening to this, I guess, 
Like if you are really into the environment, instead of talking to the people in your office about it, who most likely aren't that into it, you can just listen to podcasts mm. about the environment by people who are like specialists in it. And what that does is it kind of does two conversations what Photoshop and photo filters do to like people looking nice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. then you don't see people in real life as that fascinating because well, I know all these people online and they, you know, they raise the standard too high. Mm. It's kind of like that. No, I think that's interesting. And we've talked about before in university why people were so afraid to speak because yeah. you were like, well, everyone's probably heard this thought before mm. because I got it off of something I read online, yeah. which everyone's probably read. So then you're kind of nervous to speak. And then if you do say anything that hasn't been codified through internet communities, it might, the reception might be bad. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. And then, but had it been cycled through the internet and kind of like approved by that community, like mm. the, I'm thinking sustainability because that's what I studied. But like, if you said anything that wasn't from the internet or from articles that you'd read, yeah, it was kind of yeah. nerve wracking. There was also this idea kind of related about conversation being a positive feedback loop or just a feedback loop where because of this, people talk less. Mm -hmm. And so when they talk to people, they're worse at it. Mm -hmm. Both parties are worse at it. And so you come away from it being like, well, that wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And so then you talk less and it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. And I think we need to, this is my motivational tip, like push through the first few conversations you have with somebody to kind of, because that builds comfort and like fluidity in the relationship. And then on your like second or third time that you talk to them, you can kind of get to some deeper things, but you need to be comfortable. And if takes a little bit of perseverance in like the boring conversations i met someone new this morning and she was incredible i really liked her but the conversation was just about work about our lives about our city but i know that the next time we meet up we'll be able to get to some yeah deeper things That's the, how it always happens the hurdle of small talk my next little nice thing is one of my favorite things about life and i mean these things seem so dramatic when they're actually just so insignificant but I really, really, really like hand-painted signs. They're not insignificant, though. I'm just going to fix you right there. Okay. Like they, my, my poem is kind of making fun of that. It says, like, at the end, the present smallest of all. So that's, like, ironic because mm -hmm. it's really the only thing that we, in which we live um, seen from too tall. So, like, if your vantage, if your perspective is the wrong way, then you're always living in the other states. And so you're ignoring the present, which is all that matters, entirely unmagnificent. It's like, but those are the things that, all, all, almost all life is like most of the reasons that you smile or I smile and I'm happy is little nice things. Like mm -hmm. I say, many of which are the tips of icebergs of big nice things, but mm -hmm. I'd call them insignificant. Okay. So I really like hand painted signs, yeah. specifically handmade like shop signs or business signs, which is very capitalist of me because that's basically the foundation of branding was from people thinking I want to make a cool sign for my shop and that's how everything spiraled out of control but i really really like when people still nowadays choose to have hand-painted signs because they take like a hundred times more work than just getting one printed at a print shop mm. and they t take a lot of upkeep because obviously if it's hand-painted or even if it's um chiseled into wood it degrades whereas the plastic version wouldn't and they're just so wonderful they stand out so much but when you walk around a town that chooses to have, perhaps it's a historic town, like it's 
everything's being preserved for the heritage. It's just so nice when everything's hand done because then you haven't seen it a million times. It hasn't been made in Canva. You might have some mistakes. It might be kind of wearing away. But it just has <laughs> so much more character than those, the printed ones. Do you have anything in mind? Do you have a particular one in mind that you, that you like? There's one in particular that I always remember, and it was for a bookstore in my hometown. And because it was the only hand-painted sign in town, I always thought that it was just leftover from an old store that hadn't been taken down, basically. But then at some point in my life, I learned, no, there's a bookstore in there, and that's just like their sign. And it was just such a great hidden gem because the sign stood out so much, but in like almost a negative way of me thinking, oh, it's not even a store anymore. But obviously, it speaks to the character of the store, which was super old-fashioned, cash-only, just a man sitting in the back reading (laughs) with his thousands of books that he's selling. And I really liked it. I like those too. Yeah. We saw some <laughs> nice ones in Greece and Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially that one of from the... The yogurt store. Yeah, the dairy store. Mm-hmm. That was such a cool logo. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful. I also said labels because I like when you have a pantry and everything's labeled or when you have a product and the labels are handmade because it stands out so much and it takes so much time. Therefore, you know that the product hasn't been rushed. I was really angry, you may remember, when I learned that the the jam brand, it's called Mama. Yeah, I do remember this. I thought it was just a local <laughs> Montreal jam brand because it looks, they put them in mason jars, just the mason jars you'd buy like at the dollar store for making jam. And the logo looked like it was printed on just like a home printer. And then we were in Paris and I was like, <laughs> they sell this here? It's deceitful corporations. And then you realize it's just a yeah, marketing ploy. Okay, my next little nice thing, very, very small, sunlight. Particularly um, particularly sunlight in schools and offices, mm-hmm. places of work, retail, etc. When I was thinking about this, I started out with schools because that was my experience. Then I went to offices, even though I've never worked in an office. I think I would dislike it. Um, but then I was just thinking about all the other workplaces people have where they don't see the sun for six, eight, ten hours, maybe some hospitals probably. And I was thinking in the solar scene, I don't know if there'll be some kind of mandatory quota, like with decibel levels or with pollution in the air or something about there needs to be this amount of sunlight or you get a designated break or something. Mm -hmm. But it's just this idea that we take care of houseplants better in this regard than we do humans um, humans. there's this quote sunlight is the best disinfectant and i really think that's true i mean there's like hundreds of statistics about how sunlight is just almost immeasurably better for your health as well as your happiness we experienced it recently on our trip to europe because i got the impression that even more so than seeing so many wonderful historical sites and cultural you know novelties to us was the fact that we were outside all day every day and you you just like there was no coughing there was no sneezing mm-hmm. there was no like tiredness it was just you felt rejuvenated every day and I, I thought well this is how humans are supposed to be we're kind of in a tough spot because we live in Canada where many months of the year there just isn't that much sunlight anyway mm-hmm. everyone's vitamin d deficient aren't they majorly yeah. so sunlight that's my little nice <laughs> I appreciate that. My next little nice thing is a huge group of little nice things that 
I chose to restrain myself by just listing them and then saying why I like them as a whole. Because I was going to basically, this list could have been my whole list. Um, But details on clothing, so embroidery, frills, lace, and buttons. I love those things. Because we tend to be very utilitarian in our design. And perhaps, yeah, we all have a million t-shirts. They all have different cool logos on them. But those are just like 2D details. (laughs) But I like 3D details on clothing textures textures yeah i mean the buttons on my jumper are little knots and then i love when buttons are covered with the fabric of the clothing to match and lace making as a industry has basically become extinct there's like a handful of lace makers left in the world and when i learned that it made me very sad because people used to make lace and it was a craft and a meditation basically to make a piece of lace and then add it to an apron or a dress or a shirt. And now, yeah, it's just a completely dead art basically because it takes literally months to make a single piece of lace by hand versus doing it on a machine, which can be done in minutes. And that just made me sad. And I just love details on clothes. And I wanted to talk specifically about aprons. Do you think, before we get to the aprons, do you think cartoons have had an influence on this? It just came to my mind when you say that. Do you think the fact that we grow up watching Arthur, who only wears two colors every single day, by the way, and Buster, who does the same, and uh, <laughs> Patrick, who only doesn't even wear a shirt, just shorts, very, very simple, mm-hmm. not very... Do you think that's had any kind of impact? Probably. I think it has. I think yeah. it has. I think that has, and I also think sports has, because now everyone always dresses like they're going to a sports match to mm-hmm. play in it, let alone just to watch it. <laughs> um, and obviously athletes can't and don't wear any of the ornamentations that you're talking about so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i also think even just growing up watching disney channel i always was fascinated with the clothes that the characters would wear because they were always without logos without details they were just like garment (laughs) and i think that had an impact on us for sure because obviously if you were trying to dress an entire cast in these super detailed clothes that's what you win Oscars for is not what you <laughs> get paid to do on the Disney Channel. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, it would just be crazy if everyone was wearing ornate clothing. And yeah, it's also way more practical for mass production of clothes and fast fashion and blah, blah, blah. yeah. Maybe that maybe we can be influencers. People watching the podcast on YouTube, which you can do, they'll see our details and they will want to dress like us. Stripes. Stripey yeah. in the stripe. <laughs> Um, but aprons. I want to talk about aprons because they're a little nice thing that I want there to be more of in the solo scene because they're great because you can wear your clothes that you want to wear and not have to change a bunch of times because I always struggle with not wanting to ruin my nice clothes and then I'd wear some more scrappy clothes when I'm baking or painting or gardening and I think if we brought back aprons into fashion we could use them to protect our clothes And I just like because historically aprons were obviously super practical to protect clothes because you didn't have many clothes. People would always embroider them and decorate them and take great pride in them, despite them basically being your paint shirt or like the shirt you wear when you're helping someone move. They're the equivalent of that, but people still took pride in them because they were just an everyday object. It's umbrella theory also. They look cool because if someone's wearing an apron, you know they mean business. Mm -hmm. You know they're actually doing something. Because no one's wearing an apron just to sit down and watch TV. It's true. It means they're getting elbow deep in the flower or the soil or the roofing. I don't know. Whatever. Something like that. They're doing something. Mm -hmm. 
and any clothing which is made for doing things, I will always support that little nice thing. Um, my next one, I told you it yesterday because we were having a conversation about it, is... You don't remember. Nice to know how <laughs> how much stock you put into our talks. Um, <laughs> holding hands. I didn't want to spoil it. I thought you wanted to say it. Okay, no, anyway. I was setting the stage for you. Oh. Um, specifically holding hands platonically, which mm -hmm. again, like the library reading list, was something that was commonplace, at least in my childhood. I remember holding hands with like my male friends mm -hmm. and some of the female ones as well. Less so, but it happened and it didn't mean like... Oh, sure. No, it, <laughs> it did. And it didn't mean like, oh, they're in a relationship or among boys, like, oh, they must be G-A-Y. It didn't mean that. It was just like, you're friends, so that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Similar with hugs. And I think, I mean, there's many reasons why this has decreased in men. I, I was telling you, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast, but one of my least favorite words is bromance. Because mm -hmm. it's like, just call it friendship. Why has yeah. that term gone so out, so out of style? But in some cultures, I know, like, holding hands among men is still a thing today. And obviously it was, like... It didn't used to just mean romance. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, I mean, I have some thoughts, but it's, I think it's sad, should I say, that it mm -hmm. has completely resigned itself to this narrower and narrower part of people's lives. And because of the current um, like dating landscape being all fraught with issues, I wanted to talk about that in a little nice thing, but then I realized I don't know much about dating because I never really did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think so many people are just completely devoid of any kind of intimacy because any human touch, for instance, that is only romantic now. Mm -hmm. Like there's no holding hands among friends. There's very few hugs among, among friends, especially men. And I think that is resulting in a lot of lonely people. But also I wanted to talk about the fact that so many people I think listening would be like, but I don't want to hold hands with people. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I don't want to hold hands with people either. But we think that because we've grown up in this entirely touchless, mm -hmm. uh, introvert producing landscape you know which is a a spiritual what should i say there's no shared notion of humanity anymore let me put it like that yeah that's something that i think about quite often that i wish i was a more touchy person because just i'm almost certain that as humans we need physical intimacy with people but not always in a romantic way and it's sad because i feel like even with kids it's like as you were saying if you and your like gal pal were holding hands as kids, people would all be like, oh, they're yeah, boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that on this episode. It's hard to talk about because it's like, I mean, it would be weeks and weeks to unpack yeah. basically the way that we got to this point. Maybe when we do our dating semester. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> how. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's not like two guys are afraid to hold hands because they'll look romantic. It's like, there's a lot more it to is. it than that. Well, yeah, but that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it's one of the reasons, but it's like, there's just so much more to it than that. I'd be like, are they like sibling like it, i feel like there'd just be so many questions and mm. it would be just not worth the expectation that you have when you go out into public and yeah i don't know i wish we were just more like chill with people i wish we <laughs> well the way of putting that is i wish we liked each other more in the solo scene i think we will like each other more and this will be the tip of that iceberg i wrote down <laughs> that i feel this this might be me projecting i really hope not but i feel this general sense of like suspicion and a default of distrust and even misanthropy when i walk around in the city which mm -hmm. is something that i never noticed when we lived in small towns because even there even if you don't know the person like people always say that people are friendly in small towns because they all know each other mm -hmm. but i don't exactly think that's true i think it might be because 
they see fewer people when they're walking around mm -hmm. and so they're more likely to uh to trust them and there's almost always a smile and a nod mm -hmm. which you never see in the streets of like a city yeah for anyone who didn't grow up in a rural town literally everyone you pass you do a a smile and a wave yeah it's very shallow yeah but it's it shows i don't hate you like yeah. my default isn't you're awful yeah it isn't you might jump me if i look at you the wrong way yeah it's <laughs> oh person yeah person. um <laughs> yeah a recent hitomi video that i watched she was talking about who i guess it wasn't on this podcast that i used to talk about her so much um hitomi majuki majuki i don't know how to pronounce her last name but she's a youtuber and she's wonderful and she talks a lot about becoming an extrovert basically because she was a chronic introvert her whole life and then she's still an introvert because it's kind of just like a trait that you have but how to overcome that and be more personable and she's always like in her videos her and her gal pals and her pals they're just like they're just always like hanging together and it's like as you said when you see it you're like interesting different but she talks about how good it is for your spirit and your emotions and your person so her most recent youtube video I recommend it because it's called like finding intimacy everywhere or something. And I just think it's lovely. And I like her because she always talks about these things in a very open way from her own experience. And so you can kind of relate to it because I feel like we've all gone through a very introverted period. And perhaps if you want to break out of your shell, you don't know how to do it. She's your person. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my next thing is going to be, hmm herb gardens oh that's so similar to your other one i know they all are kind of similar <laughs> <laughs> you're just describing gardening at this point i yeah the next the one is going to be carrots. all gardens um but herb gardens are nice because they bring literal life into a space they bring a level of competence that we kind of lack when it comes to gardening and i feel like we get frustrated it's like i live in a shoebox in a city where am i supposed to practice my green thumb i don't want to go to the urban garden because it's a bunch of hippie granola people and i don't want to be there um <laughs> perhaps that, that's you i don't know um sounds like you i go to the garden uh, sounds like several me. times a week sounds like me um so you can start your <laughs> herb garden in your window yeah and you have your basil you have your thyme. we had one right this summer yeah what happened to that, that? died yeah so um, every, all of it died we had no light mm. uh that's i guess a problem yeah but sunlight sunlight it's going to go hand in hand with the gardens so a practical skill a competence about food and like the effort it takes to make this tiny piece of basil yeah imagine how much it's going to take to make these Ooh, carrots we're gonna make some pesto yeah we love pesto here at solacine <laughs> well herbs are kind of like what you were talking about with the details for clothes they're like that but for food exactly the the uncultured tongue like mm -hmm. mine the tongue of a pig he doesn't notice the difference between a nicely seasoned piece of toast or just a just a plain one. <laughs> Sesame bagel and everything bagel, they're the same to It's you. the same to me. It's just different <laughs> colored dots. Um, <laughs> but maybe we should be trying to trying to grow our culinary sense. Mm -hmm. That I was part of my thinking okay. was, yeah, you could, the spice of life, the spice of literal right. life. Yes. So you have the same thing for dinner every night, but you have your garden. So you can choose to have a rosemary piece of mm. chicken or a basil piece of pasta. <laughs> you can tell my culinary skills are really really exquisite um another thought that i had with these is that you can share with people because yeah. anyone who's grown mint knows that it's basically a weed and it just 
propagates itself and it's you're overrun with mint. You yeah. can never use that much mint. So you can cut a few sprigs, give it to a friend, and it just builds community. And I think it's really wonderful. What's your favorite herb? Mm. Do you know about chocolate mint? I do know about chocolate mint. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. It's not my favorite though. It's not my favorite because it's like overwhelming. Yeah. It's like this is a green leaf. You think it's going to taste like lettuce and then it <laughs> tastes like chocolate mint. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mint's probably my favorite because I really, really like mint lemonade. That's probably my favorite thing to eat. But I also really like basil because I like basil lemonade. So between yeah. mint and basil. You can tell Alicia filters every taste through how good would this taste in lemonade. Mm-hmm. Mine is um, the lemony one, cilantro, hmm. which some people, I re- I learned they taste it as something like completely different. I like think it, it's a genetic thing. Like it's a genetic thing that mm-hmm. some people kind of like with curling the tongue, mm. they don't taste it as the nice thing. For I me, it's delicious. That. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, organism of the week. Let me guess. It's going to be a little nice animal? Nope. Hmm. Little? Key little? No, I was trying to hint towards bacteria because I always do something weird like that. Mm. But it's actually a big nice thing. It is the red maple tree. Ooh. Close your eyes while I get the picture. You can look. <gasps> He's done it. He went out <laughs> into the park and he got a red maple leaf. How patriotic. I'm bequeathing this to you as a romantic present. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so it's the red maple tree. I don't know if this is from a red maple. There's a lot of different types of maples and the leaves all look very similar to me. When yeah, I was this is online. probably from a maple tree. A normal maple, not a red maple. Well, I have um, the other ones that I know grow where I picked this off the ground actually it fell on my head funny story Ooh. funny story it fell off the tree are you kidding onto my head i know it's wild so um, in the height of <laughs> in the height of <laughs> awesome um it could also be a norway maple or a sugar maple those are the three options sugar maples so i don't know but the red maple is what i've gone with because it's a red leaf so i don't know it's acer rubrum all the maples start with acer i know this um and it's the most common native tree in eastern North America. Hmm. It can grow up to 135 foot tall. It's very adaptable to different soil conditions, pH, moisture, stuff like that. Maximum of, what do you think the lifespan is? 175 years. 150 is okay. like what's coined. So maybe one lived to 175. I don't know. Most of them are about 100 or less. Mm-hmm. And yeah, red maple. Can I tell you a story about red maple? Yes. Since we're just little nice things, it's just a pleasant episode. So at my house in Nova Scotia, basically it's on the property that my great-grandfather owned and then they rebuilt the house. So my grandmother and grandfather rebuilt a house about 40 years ago. And when they rebuilt the house, they planted a red maple in the front lawn. So it was just a little twig. And then now, you know, the tree in our front lawn is like the biggest tree you've ever seen. Hmm. So in 40 years, it's just sprouted. And it's really cool because my parents, when they got engaged, took a picture in front of it and it was still tiny. But then we got engaged and I said, we should take a picture in front of it because it's so big. Yeah. And then somebody will cart back our pets, take a picture in front (laughs) of it. I don't know. But yeah, it's cool. It's it's very significant to me because you climb it. There's like carvings. It's kind of like the giving tree. Sure. In our front lawn. And then you grew up and forgot all about it, just like the giving tree. Yeah, exactly. I read that two days ago and cried. Right. And it's like probably the hundredth time I read it. It's yeah. just always gets you. Good to see your reading <laughs> levels moving up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
I think it's your turn, isn't it? Sure. My next Little Nice Thing. Into the final three. I'll go for interesting ceilings and roofs. <gasps> I love a good ceiling. So um, <laughs> this is uh, this is inspired by the field notes from last week where I talked about cathedrals, specifically the Sacre Basilica in Paris, which was just an incredible um, architecture piece. It was lovely to look at from the outside or inspiring to look at from the inside. And many, many churches are similar i was also thinking about hogwarts the great hall mm -hmm. the fact that your gaze is drawn upwards by this anything like ornamentation a big dome a fresco just a high ceiling in general oh that's mm -hmm. a little bit different of a light fixture i was thinking of popcorn ceilings you love popcorn ceilings. i know a lot of people don't like them but i just like anything interesting especially if it's textured that makes me want to rub my hand across it stand mm -hmm. on a couch jump up press my palms into it mm -hmm. Popcorn, <laughs> skylights, that's another thing. I remember in school, I would always, because I'd be so bored in class, like lean back, look up, and just count the dots on those cheap tiles that they use in schools, many public buildings, offices, stuff like that. People know the ones, the ones that are all like speckled. Mm -hmm. So I would count how many are in a small square, try and extrapolate from that the tile count how many tiles are in the room and try and extrapolate how many dots are in the room. So this was, I'm not sure if this is an example of a good thing or like a twisted, <laughs> monotonous purgatory version of like a nice ceiling, but mm -hmm. just looking up and, and having things to contemplate, it's, it's, I think it has an indirect kind of subconscious effect on our self-esteem, especially in churches. I know people have written like essays on that. I mean, how even if you're not Christian, even if you're not religious at all, it, it just makes you ponder, but in a lovely way. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, awe doesn't even cover it, A-W-E. That doesn't even... That doesn't, oh, and also it takes like things off of walls, which I find are mm -hmm. almost always too crowded. I, I like when walls are just left blank or almost blank, especially when things protrude. It'll be like a painting that's kind of sticking out three inches. Mm -hmm. Just put it on the ceiling. That's what I say. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much space up there. Why not use it for good? <laughs> I was in a cafe a couple of days ago and I was like standing in line and just like staring probably open mouthed at the ceiling because I'd never noticed that it was 3D before. And I was like, the people here probably think that I'm just out of it. But I was just staring at it for like ever. And then I was like, I probably should go get my coffee now. But I really liked the ceiling. It had little tiny gold details and it was just a random cafe, not like a super yeah. fancy one or anything. So yeah, just buildings I feel like used to have a bit more. Because like it's always old buildings. It's not like it's usually a new building that chooses to, because that's expensive to do any kind of details in the ceiling. Yeah, sure. You're on the ceiling, but yeah. Right. Um, I had two other notes on this. Right now, we as a species, I like hunched over moles. I put moles in all capitals with an exclamation point after that. And the other one was that quote from the founder. I know one of your favorite movies, the kind of dramatized biopic about the guy who <laughs> supposedly founded, didn't really found McDonald's. Yeah, my role model. Yeah, and how he, <laughs> he was talking about how when you drive through every American town, you see the courthouse and it has a flag on top, you see the church and it has a cross on top, and we're going to do that, but with our sweet, sweet M made of uh, curly potato fries. Not curly fries, just straight fries, somehow bent. So even that's kind of deceptive. But yeah, just, just elevating things. Obviously, I don't like McDonald's doing it, but he, he understood that we elevate these things that we care about and they become icons mm -hmm. or vice versa. But yeah, looking up, canopies of trees is the same way. 
yeah. except i mean just being outside in general is the same way because wow look at these clouds i love cloud watching but when you're inside no clouds to watch how dull is that kind of or even like our old apartment compared to the new one that we just moved in if you're watching on youtube again you can see it not a very nice place um <laughs> you feel like moles in the new one because yeah. the ceiling on the old one wasn't exactly a frescoed masterpiece but there was oh that's weird now yeah. what we have is a little hole tiny little hole through which pokes a straw or something like that <laughs> yeah our ceiling like a, a peephole nice. yeah it's a little ceiling peephole <laughs> if you're the people who live above us please please don't look through it <laughs> um okay my next thing is small point and shoot cameras mm. because you know how when we were young every family had point and shoot camera it was either film or digital and i just want to bring them back and you know they're kind of having like a trend yeah but i feel like that's i don't like those kind of trends kind of an ironic trend yeah i would rather instead of taking our phone everywhere and just shooting pictures mindlessly i would have like they can be digital because i feel like it's slightly less mindless to take a picture with a digital camera than a of course of course because it it asks more of you there's a real button to press for one thing yeah maybe you have to focus I actually don't know what kind of cameras you're talking about. I don't um, think I've ever used one. So disposable like, ones? Not disposable. Okay. Um just cameras. Yeah. Small. Like Kodak cameras or Olympi Olympo Candif. So film cameras. Not always. Okay. But I, I was gonna say a little asterisk was ideally film or like <laughs> Polaroid. But I also just like I I don't know where mine is, but I had like a a Kodak camera, and people listening probably know what it is. It has a little screen, and so you can see what you take. And I just want to bring back those and bring back photo albums because that's my favorite thing is okay. to gather around a photo album at someone's house. Right, Ha-ha, so you're doing two funny. for one. Yeah. Okay. So. Haha, they're funny. Oh, look, he used to have hair. Yeah, Crazy. Exactly. Like George Costanza mm-hmm. from Seinfeld. Um, I like that one. My next one, I have two left. Should I go for the silly one or the awesome one? You get to choose. Go for the awesome one. The awesome one, you might say it's also a little bit silly, is quests. Mm-hmm. This is what I think should come back in the solo scene. That's kind of the, the route that I've taken. Things that should be more common in the solo scene. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just listing things you like. Yeah. But I'm going for <laughs> things I like that would help define the solo scene. So okay. quests. Because I think quests are where friendships are forged. Okay. I unfortunately have never undertaken what I would call a quest. I would love to, if anyone's up for it, they want to join my party. We're looking for a mage and perhaps a healer. Um, <laughs> I think that would be really fun. I think that nothing today is so like intense that it's enough to forge a real bond with someone mm-hmm. because everything is small talk. Everything in the office is about the weekend. You're never undertaking a proper challenge and like slaying a beast along the way. And this was partly inspired by the episode that we did on the Patagonia founder, mm-hmm. Yvon Chouinard, because he was a, or is a, a climber, a mountain mm-hmm. climber, rock climber, outdoor, all-round adventurist. And I thought that that sounded like a really awesome way of structuring one's life where you are always either recovering from or preparing for another quest, meaning a literal mountain that we're going to go climb. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of, each one is a milestone. It's how you measure yourself. It's how you test yourself. And I was, this is just like some disparate thoughts, but I was thinking about solo scene for us, that's kind of a quest, right? It's, a, it's like a capitalistic quest. And I think that's one of the reasons people like capitalism is because it, it sells them this idea of 
sells us this idea of a quest that you can go on, grow your company, defeat the other companies. It's like playing a game of risk, but with money. Mm-hmm. Um, or Monopoly, I suppose, is what that is. And whether or not there actually is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know, a lot of people think that there isn't and it was all a lie or whatever. It's the fun of it. It's the journey. And that's what people live for. And I think, yeah, quests, they don't have to be about like conquering a country. Probably wouldn't be actually in the solo scene, but just something. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Some big adventure. Adventure is another word for it. But I quest, mean, it could be just a... I like that quest has a connotation of you're looking for something. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think it could be, okay, we're going to spend a month. We're going to set off with nothing but a compass and a map and try and find this place. Gonna fi- try and find the treasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool because it could just be natural or it could be uh, like, we want to try and find a solution. Mm. Let's solve cancer. Yes. Let's go, boys. Yes. <laughs> exactly, though. Or I was thinking about why so many people, I think of our generation and maybe a little bit older, romanticize high school and to a lesser extent college to such a great degree. And I think it's because it's the last time in our lives that you felt like you were on a quest. You felt like you're on a quest, depending on who you are, to get the girl or the guy, pass the class, make the team, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, It's serious. It matters. You have your enemies you have your friends you have your <laughs> opponents literally though that's yeah. what it feels like to be in school and when you're an adult it's just like no nah, i don't care none of that because in the mm-hmm. office like you likely don't care about the work you're doing so what kind of a quest is that and it just yeah it becomes so demoralizing mm-hmm. but i was just thinking about how people kind of romanticize war like in war movies you mm-hmm. like they always say that um even if a movie tries its best to make war seem awful it inadvertently ends up romanticizing it mm-hmm. and movies like um what's almost shia labeouf fury where it's like it's a band of dudes and there's a real fraternity between them mm-hmm. i think most men are missing this most women probably also i wouldn't know but like just a genuine forged in some kind of adversity or struggle or difficulty or striving especially the relationships that it forges i think that's mm-hmm. what we that's what we miss most of all yeah <laughs> anyway that's a little nice thing um, I have two more. You're going to say that all mine are the same. But anyway, my next one is folk art. Mm. And that is to say the desire and the skills to just decorate objects. And yeah, this is very similar to what I talked about <laughs> before. But I was specifically thinking about ceramics and yeah, everyday objects. So like tables and armoires and my great-grandmother used to have these coat hangers that had this, like, insanely ornate. I have no idea how it was done, like, ribbon work on them. So all of her coat hangers had this case on them. And it's just, like, who would take the time? Because it probably took hours and hours to put ribbons on all of their coat hangers. The way I'm describing it, it sounds like there's just, like, a ribbon hanging off of it. But no, it's, like, a case. It was, like, a okay. little coat for the coat hangers. Sure. And it's just, like... So it didn't get cold. Yeah, you wouldn't want your coat hanger to be cold. And I just think we should bring it back. Alicia's uh, one-woman crusade against minimalism is what this episode <laughs> could also be be retitled as, I think. That's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, I feel like I went through this journey of minimalism and trying to like cut back everything and just have everything be super simple and basic. But then I realized that's not really Solacene. That's kind of just... It could be. It's practical. I don't want to put a box on Solacene art. Yeah, I guess. But it's not like, it's not bringing Marie Kondo. I feel like it's not really bringing 
the most joy that it could for me. Yeah, for you. For some, for some people. Some people. Like me. Like you. Who just really like playing things in mm -hmm. space and gets very, very frustrated to the point of rage when there mm -hmm. are... Too thing, many things. Too many things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think in the soul scene, it'll be a bit more normal. Yeah, because right now that. I feel like we're all kind of... Well, it doesn't have to even add add space. Exactly. Because it could be like... I always remember um, Virgil Abloh when he was talking about chairs. He was like, I was designing this chair and I thought to myself, the world doesn't need another chair. So he just he just made the most simple chair. Because mm -hmm. he was like, I don't need to... We don't need any more chairs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like... When you're shopping for things, for instance, furniture, mm -hmm. doesn't have to be outrageously cool you can make it so like you can customize mm -hmm. the chair you can give it a cushion or paint the table yeah just making things more unique i was talking to someone the other day too about like they had posted on their instagram story something about like we don't need another water bottle basically just the virgil abloh thing of like please stop inventing water bottles and trying to sell them to us as the new sustainability product but then i was messaging her because she does she's a designer and we were talking a bit about like how I feel like fashion is a bit different than these really utilitarian products because it's like every piece of clothing that you design can be a work of art basically. But you have to communicate that with the people who are buying it or who you're giving it to because it's like when we consume products, it's still we think of them as products. But if we try and think of them a bit more as art or as a project, I think that's better for the world. Project, not a product. My final one is all about going barefoot okay. or socked. Either one of these is great. But I think this is a very freeing feeling. I think it's telling that almost everyone when they get home after a tough day at work or in my case around people, they take off their shoes and they go, ah. Because I think, I mean, this is another thing by how much I dislike most shoes, but however comfortable a shoe is touted to be or actually is, it's nowhere near as nice as just not wearing a shoe. Mm -hmm. I mean, also the idea that we have walking shoes. I always hate this because what are there all the other shoes for? <laughs> like, shouldn't they all be walking shoes? What else are you doing in them? And I think the biggest argument against going barefoot, especially in a city, obviously, is like, but what about all the broken glass and needles and all that stuff? And I'm like, why don't we clean those up? <laughs> why are our streets supposedly littered with these things? Yeah. Um, so that's like not nice but in the solo scene there won't be all that stuff all those obstacles yeah. um, and the other thing is hygiene issues it's like oh but I don't want to be walking around with everyone barefoot it's like but why do everyone's feet smell so bad why can't people mm. clean themselves so in the solo scene everyone will be of a better hygiene or at least like I'm not sure it's the case that everyone does stink I just think <laughs> no this goes to what I was thinking I was saying earlier is that we just assume that everyone else will stink. It's true. So in the solo scene, either everyone else will be cleaner or we'll know that everyone else is already clean. Or we'll just be okay with the smell of feet, the natural smell of feet. I think part of it is, is, comes from shoes. I agree with so that. So there's like walking around barefoot outside, which I think will be lovely. You can be grounding in the park, mm -hmm. which, you know, if you believe in that, that's good. Um, you can be getting sunlight, which doesn't require any kind of belief. That's just a nice thing. It's another mm -hmm. avenue. Most people have those pasty feet with an awkward line between them and their sock line it's true they do because everyone's walking around outside in the summer with shoes on um <laughs> and also indoors like i was thinking about at the cinema take you like we should 
it should be normal to take your shoes off, <laughs> not the socks. That's why I was saying you can stay socked, but that's just more comfortable. <laughs> Go see. ahead, laugh at me all you want. It's this just my... so funny. I feel like you've just touched on a lot of issues with society. <laughs> we have the opioid crisis with the needles. We have... <laughs> I feel like you're just... Um, well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these little nice things will be the tips of very big yeah, things, icebergs. I think that's... Yeah, it's funny because you wouldn't think talking about shoes would really lead to all these other issues. Oh, also the shape of feet. If people aren't on this, just look it up online what shape our feet are supposed to have and how shoes artificially bind them into an awkward pointed shape. Mm -hmm. And your eyes will be open and then you'll never look at the footwear industry the same and the way they try and suppress our natural spreading toes. This is really your like... Yeah. This is your moment. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it bothers me. So I think in the Soocene, feet. Cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> didn't love oh, that. Also, also, <laughs> it helps our feet get tougher. Yes. I want to have like, like monkey feet that can walk around on tree branches and not feel. But now we're so like, oh my, but my skin's too tender. I can't walk on a rock. That should be fine to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, humans balance can. better for balance. Yeah. I just want us to all be little Mowgli's in the Soocene. I would also, no, I don't oh know. My I'm joking. I'm joking. Gracious. I was going to throw down over a feet here. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my final one is again a two part because I, I had to can try and calm myself. So my final thing is recipe cards and love letters, and those might seem very different, but I think when you look at old recipe cards and old love letters, they have a very similar sentiment in that they're heartfelt expressions. Of emotion. Yes. So with food, I, I mean, we're going to have a food semester someday, and that's when I'm going to go off the way you just went off about feet. Um, <laughs> the foot semester, coming when? Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about food, but I think food can be the way that we communicate a lot of things. I mean, when someone's sick, you bring them soup. When someone's mourning, you say, I can bring you food, and that's just incredibly helpful. Someone's going through a heartbreak, you bring them ice cream. It's just like... Someone's hungry. You bring them food. Yeah. So recipe cards are just so wonderful to me because you are going to say what should we have for supper right now you go to pinterest or you just kind of scratch your head for a few minutes in frustration and then you make the same thing but i used to like growing up we had a recipe box so it was recipes that you'd get from people you'd go to a potluck and you'd be like this mac and cheese is to die for what's your recipe they'd write down the recipe yeah. and then you have just this really wonderful collection of things and then you pass it down and so on you're calling it a card i'm, I'm imagining them all being uniform size and shape yeah and index cards being like um pokemon cards where you have a deck it's basically what it is okay i've never seen one you've never you didn't have a recipe box no we had books recipe books, books okay we had a box. recipe box it still exists and yeah so my mom basically our whole lives her whole life collected recipes from grandparents from friends and then sometimes you'd be like you'd find the recipe um because you know and you buy a bag of chocolate chips on the back it has like the chocolate chip recipe and then you kind of collect your own or maybe you make that chocolate chip cookie recipe but you make your changes then that's when you kind of finalize it and put it into the yeah, collection gotta catch them all yeah so i just really <laughs> like recipe cards and think they're wonderful and also you wouldn't have to scroll down through pages of story and ads like you mm -hmm. do on the internet for most recipes for some reason exactly and then love letters obviously kind of similar but it fosters more poetic people and it i was thinking similar to your hand holding almost the exact same vein of just like 
expressing your emotions in a platonic way, but not being afraid to do so. To be like, I think you're really pretty. I think you're really cool. Um, I miss you. Like, and someone to receive that and be like, what, what are they getting at? And just be <laughs> like, oh, my friend, I love them. And I feel like good friends are like that. They're just like really mushy, but just like to make it a little more normal of like, oh, I met this person in university and writing them a letter. I, I was going to say, I guess it can be digital, but it can't be digital. The physical. Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of what I was getting at with all of my course. things. We don't want tactile. NFTs. Yeah. The tactile part of the Celestine. I'm just like to receive a letter is just so you just feel absolutely loved in like such a sweet way that I think we should all experience a bit more in the Celestine. Just feeling loved. That's a very small thing. So thanks for listening, everybody. That's it. Bye.